Well, thank you to the worship team once again. Always very inspiring to, to be led and to focus on the Lord, to be able to express uh, what is in our hearts, to be able to sing about what we believe as God's, as God's people. And that's what we've been doing uh, together right now. And thank you to Michelle for sharing as well. That was really encouraging. If you've been tracking with us over the past while, you know that we've been making our way through, through Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Um, Nehemiah, you will remember, is primarily about the, the story of the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem. Uh, and as I mentioned before, uh, the, the rebuilding of the wall is part of a bigger picture of the restoration that's taking place. Coming back to the city of Jerusalem, the temple is rebuilt, the wall is rebuilt, and then what we're going to come to this morning, uh, and I'll talk to you about that in a minute. Um, two weeks ago, uh, Mark uh, shared with us um, from uh, Nehemiah about the haves and the have-nots. And part of the, the challenge that he, he gave us is that um, even amongst God's people, uh, when they returned, when the group of exiles returned, people were exploiting one another. Um, and, and the rich were taking advantage of the poor, and it's nothing that's changed, has it? We still find those things happening today, and, and Nehemiah has to take stock of his own life. Um, he has to speak to those who are more wealthy, some of the nobles amongst them, and say, guys, we can't carry on doing this. It's not right before the Lord, and, and there's a, a resolution uh, that is made, and, and people change their ways. And the, the challenge that came to us is how do we approach the challenge of the have-nots in a country where we have the greatest differential between the haves and the have-nots. And then last week, you'll remember that Shane spoke to us about the fact that whenever God calls you and whenever you're obedient to God, you're going to find this opposition. And you know, the thing we need to remember that uh, opposition needs to become part of the normal for Christians. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We are in a spiritual battle. We are going to find opposition. You know, and, and I, I don't know if you ever like me and say, Lord, I've kind of, can, can, there's enough now. <laughs> and God keeps reminding me, John, you're involved in this intense spiritual battle. And it's not just a battle between people, but there's a, in a sense, a heavenly battle that, that is taking place. And we, we're very involved in that. But one day when Jesus comes again, the enemy is going to be bound. He's going to be cast into the pit of darkness for all eternity. We will be with him and he will be with us. And there will be no more battle. But until that day, we're going to be part um, of the battle. Now this morning, from Nehemiah chapter 8, what I want to focus on is what I've called spiritual renewal. Uh, the spiritual renewal that took place, and we'll read it in a minute, but what happens under Ezra and Nehemiah, and, and uh, uh, for many people see Ezra and Nehemiah as one book uh, in the Old Testament, um, but, uh, but Ezra and Nehemiah begin to read from the law of Moses, uh, and we're going to look at how the people respond when there's the reading of the law of Moses. Uh, that would have re related either to the book of Deuteronomy that was being read, or the, what's called the Pentateuch, the first five books um, of the Old Testament that are read. 
But one of the burdens on the heart of the people and on the hearts of the leaders is that we can't just be rebuilding the wall, rebuilding the temple, establishing the people when there's a spiritual renewal that's necessary as well. And I've realized as we, as we track through, through a Nehemiah that it's no good us just focusing on the things we must doing, be doing for God unless our focus is on God. You see, and it's easy to become busy doing things for God and lose the fact that we're meant to be focused on God at the same time. We need to remember in the greater scheme of things in Genesis chapter 12 that the people of God, the nation of Israel, were meant to be a blessing to the nations. Let's look at that verse and remind ourselves of, of what God said to Abram. Many years ago, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Not so you can have a good time. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I'll curse. And here it is, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Isn't it sad to see a people through whom the blessing of God was meant to come to the nations now in exile and living in defeat? That's the great tragedy. And so we recognize in Nehemiah that people are living in exile for one reason. They have neglected the Lord. They've neglected the Lord. And that didn't happen uh, suddenly, it didn't happen in a day or two, but over a period of time there was a, a spiritual backsliding. People started to turn their focus away from God onto their own stuff and onto idol worship and following the ways of the nations around about them. It reminds us of what the angel said to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation. God commends this church. It, it was, if you'd been part of the church in Ephesus, you would, have been, you would have been really pleased at what the church was doing. It says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. God is saying this in a very positive way. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. Your theology is great. You've tested those who claim to be apostles and are not. And you found them to be false. You, you've made sure that your theology is good. You've persevered. You've even endured hardships for my name. And you've not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Friends, it's not just what we're doing for God that counts. It's our love for God that counts. And so what happens... After the wall has been rebuilt, the temple has been rebuilt, the people come together at what's called the water gate. And the scriptures are open, and they begin to read from God's word as the people. And for me, one of the key aspects of spiritual renewal, and maybe I need to say this as well, there's a difference between what I want to call spiritual revival and spiritual renewal. Spiritual revival is when there's a unique and wonderful outpouring of the Spirit of God. And that's happened. We've seen and we know about great revivals that have taken place. Remember the revivals that have taken place in the Hebrides, the revivals that have taken place under people like Wesley, where it's just this unusual outpouring of God's Spirit um, that is taking place. But spiritual renewal 
is when you and I come back to the place where we focus on the Word of God and we submit ourselves to the Word of God and we say, Lord, what is it that we have lost in our lives? Where have we lost focus? What are the things that we are no longer doing that we're supposed to be doing? It's when you and I go back and we renew our commitment to the Lord. So let's look at what happened in Nehemiah chapter 8. It says, All the people assemble as one man in the square before the water gates. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. And so on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, and all who were able to understand. He read aloud from daybreak till noon, as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high platform built for the occasion. And besides him, on his right stood a whole lot of people with very difficult names that I'm not going to try and pronounce this morning. Verse 5, Ezra opened the book. and All the people could see him because he was standing above them. As he opened it, the people stood up in honor of the Lord. And Ezra praised the Lord the great God. And the people lifted their hands and they responded, Amen. Amen. We agree with you. And then they bowed down and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then the Levites, with all their names that are given there, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. And they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving meaning so that the people could understand what's being read. Just, if I can throw in a toss in this morning. The reason we preach like we do on Sundays is so that you as people will know and understand the word of the Lord. It's part of what we do. It's nothing new. This was happening already in the Old Testament. And there were people who would would be saying, well, I hear what you're reading, but I don't understand that. How does that apply to my life? How does it fit in? So what the Levites were doing, they were going around, and probably in groups, they were going around and they were explaining to people, helping people to understand what God had said in his word. Verse 9, then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. It's a special day. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the Lord. But what happens over here is, as God's word is being read, and you need to understand this, here is uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, Ezra standing on this high platform, he's reading the word, it's over quite a long period of time, the Levites are moving around amongst the people, they're explaining to people what the meaning of the word of, of God is, something begins to shift in people's hearts. The Bible says that they began to weep. And after years and years and years of not hearing the law read, there's a new appreciation for God's word, and the people are saying this, we want to hear from God again. We want to hear from God again. In Psalm 119, the psalmist said, Your word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light for my path. You'll remember in, even into the New Testament in Acts chapter 2 after the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost, what, is, what do we see happening? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
this was not legalism. This was people, these were people who said, God, we need you to speak into our lives by your word. Today we've got the record of what the apostles said. They were able to go and listen firsthand what the apostles had to say. And in Revelation chapter 2, while God commends the church in Ephesus for all they'd done, his great concern is that they'd lost their first love. And here's the solution. Listen to it in verse 5. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. The, their, their first love is this, is God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. But he says to address this, repent, change your ways, change what you've been doing up to now. And he says, go and do the things you did at first. And I want to say this this morning. Do you remember what you were like when you got saved? Do you remember what you were like when you first came to the Lord and there was that zeal and that passion and you were praying into all, the air, all hours of the night and you were doing out there doing evangelism and you were part of this ministry and part of that ministry and there was a fire in your heart for God. Friends, we need it back in the church again. And it's the overflow of us loving God. I, I go to a prayer meeting because I love God. I, I, I'm serving God because I love God. And see, it's very difficult to understand why people were weeping when the Word of God is read or the law of Moses is read until we understand the nature of God's Word. Friends, this book is not any other book that you'll find anywhere else in the world. This book is His Word. There are many other spiritual books you can buy. There's no other book you can buy that is directly inspired by the Lord Himself. And you know, the Bible tells us itself that this word is a living word. It's alive and active. And when people are starting to weep, you know that through, here's, here's, think about this, just through the reading of the word of the Lord, something begins to change in people's hearts. Why? Because of the nature of this book. It's not any other book. Remember, what Hebrews says, for the word of God is alive and it's active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. Friends, God still speaks. He speaks through this book. Today, to his people. I wonder if you've realized why the enemy wants to keep you and me out of the Bible. The thing I believe he fears more than anything else is a people who stand up and say, we will live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
It's his most fearful thing in all the world. How many of you remember the parable of the sower? Some of you remember that parable of the sower? Remember Jesus telling a parable that, uh, and it's a, the parable is about the word of God, because uh, the seed is the word of God that's being sown. And he says in the parable, and I'm not going to put it up on the screen there, but in the parable, some of the seed fell along hard ground. And when he comes to explain to the disciples and, and, and to what, what he meant by that, this, this, the word falling, the seed falling on this hard ground, he says, this is what happens when people do not understand the word and the devil comes and steals it away. Have you ever wondered to yourself why the devil wants to steal the word of God from you and from me? Because he knows that when it gets rooted in our heart, things begin to shift and things begin to change. But when there's, um, when there's a spiritual renewal that's taking place, as was happening over here with the people, it wasn't just that the Word of God was opened. But I've used this phrase for, a, for an important reason. People start going back to the basics of God's Word again. While the rebuilding of the wall needed careful organization and planning, spiritual renewal is quite different. We go on in chapter 8 of Nehemiah. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some of those who have nothing uh, to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to the Lord. Do not grieve. Here's that verse you all know so well. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You can find it in Nehemiah chapter 8 for future reference. The Levites calmed the people. Calmed the people. You know our People were so moved their hearts were so distraught as they were hearing the word of God. People had to be calmed down. And they said, be still. For this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. And all of the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, to celebrate with great joy. Because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. And on the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the scribe, here it is, to give attention to the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. This is the month that they're in. And that they should proclaim his word and spread it throughout their towns in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees. From, my from myrtles, palms and shade trees to make booths as it is written. And so the people went out. And they brought back branches and they built themselves booths on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. And the whole company that had returned from the exile built booths and they lived in them from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. And their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the law, from the book of the law of God, and they celebrated the feast for seven days. And on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. And spiritual renewal happens when you and I go back to the things that have been lost and forgotten in our spiritual walk with God. 
See, the first thing we notice with spiritual renewal when the, when the law of Moses is opened is that there is a hot response to what God is saying. People weep. People are overcome with emotion when the word of God is read. You know that people weep and mourn like that for one reason only, when they realized what they've lost. They realized what they've lost. Remember what happened in Acts chapter 2 when Peter preached after Pentecost? It says the people were cut to the heart. And said to to Peter and the apostles, what must we do? Friends, people's hearts were moved. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus is is journeying off to the resurrection. With some on the road to Emmaus. And they asked each other, we're not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us. Friends, the nature of this word here is it affects people's hearts. There is emotion. There is conviction. There is an amazing awareness that God is speaking. And friends, if you ever lose that, go back to God and ask him to renew. One thing that I've tried to do, and this may be helpful to you, is I've been trying to sit in a passage of Scripture for a period of time until I can have a sense of what God is saying to me from that. Because I realize that I can, it, I, can, I can read through the Bible and know all the verses, but sometimes there is a place to stop and pause and say, God, what are you saying? And listen, let me minister to you. But not only is there a heart response when the Word of God is read, read I want, and I'm using this phrase in particular, there's an intellectual response to what God is saying. Because when they read this and people's hearts were moved and they began to weep, then they gathered together all the heads of the families and the Levites and they looked into the law and said, what is God saying? Because we need to not just focus on our hearts, we need to focus on what God is saying. You engage your heart and you engage your intellect when you come to God's Word. And so what they discover is that the seventh month is is the month of tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so what they do, is this something that had not been done since Joshua? Since the day of Joshua, they go and they say, well, if it's the month for tabernacles, we're going to build these booths, which is a reminder to us of our journey through, uh, through the desert and how God provided for us in that journey once we came out of Egypt, that we were sojourners in the land. And renewal is not just about reading the Bible. It involves meditation. It involves aligning ourselves. It involves putting into practice what God has said. And then what happens after this? After the reading of the law of Moses, two things happen. There's repentance and there's covenant renewal. 
In verse 1 of chapter 9, on the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth and having dust on their heads. And the people that day made a choice. They said, no more. We will not live in bondage. We will not live in slavery. We will not be under the control of our enemies. It was never God's plan for us. And they made a choice that day. And they said, we are turning our hearts back to God. Because we want what's supposed to be ours. We want to live the way we're supposed to live. Just remember the, what Joel has to say to the people. In chapter 2, I rend your heart and not your garments. Not out, outward showmanship ain't any good. It's not about, because you remember they used to tear their garments, put stuff on their heads. People would look like very repentant. God's saying that problem is outwardly you repent, but inwardly you're the same. You're unchanged. Your hearts are still the same. Then there's a promise that follows that. If you will come in true repentance, says the Lord, I will repay you for the the years the locust has eaten. And you'll have plenty to eat. And here's a wonderful promise. When we get back to God, we find the things that He promised us become real again. And then there's that wonderful fulfillment of that promise. And afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The first response is repentance. Second response is what we call covenant renewal. And the people pledge themselves to what God has said in His Word. We're going to do it again, Lord. Verse 38 of chapter 9, in view of this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing. And our leaders, our uh, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. They promised again, God, we will follow you. You know what the saddest part of this whole story to me is? They keep promising breaking their promises. They keep re- promising and they keep breaking their promises. You know, isn't that the challenge we all face? You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it in your own strength. That's why when, when Jeremiah comes to prophesy, he said, God's saying to his people, you keep making these covenants, you keep making these promises, you keep saying I'm going to do it, and then you fail and you fail over and over again. Time for me to do something, says the Lord. And there is what he calls a new covenant. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers, And I took them by the hand, led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I'll be their God. And they'll be my people. And friends, the blessing for you and the blessing for me, we're living under a new covenant. What's the point? And I want to just land this now. What's the point of everything 
that we've been talking about this morning. It's this. You can change the name of the church. You can change the furniture in the church. You can modify the buildings as much as you like. You can be incredibly busy doing ministry. But if there's no spiritual life in your people, Church is about our relationship with God. And everything else flows from that. I'm still amused by that story, some of you have heard it, of John Wimber um, when he got saved and became a Christian. He started attending church. After a few weeks in the church, he walked up to the leadership and he said to him, So, when do you want to do it? They said, what do you mean by that? They said, all the stuff that's written in the Bible. They said, yeah, but there's some of that stuff we don't do anymore. He said, so you mean I gave up drugs and rock and roll and being in heavy metal bands to come to church and we don't do this stuff? And I thought, wow, that's quite a challenge. Do we still do what's in the Word? Let me say, finish off with four things. Spiritual life is evidenced by a number of things in our lives. First of all, a devotion to God's Word, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to fellowship. Friends, that's the very basic. And there is a place to say, does that still feature in my life? See, it's because people love God that they pray. It's because people love God that they sit under the apostles' teaching. It's because people love God that they fellowship. It's because people love God that they break bread. We don't do it to love God. We do it because we love God. It's an overflow of that love relationship we have with Him. Secondly, it's evidenced by a longing for the ongoing filling of the Spirit. I'm sure you've heard this many times for different stories. There's a supernatural element. There's an enabling thing that I cannot understand and you cannot understand. We just know that it happens. Let me remind you of those words again. Be careful how you live. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do, do not get drunk with wine which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And may I say to you, friends, what we need is a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered church. Thirdly, a recognition that the church is the body of Christ. It's not a religious organization. Friends, you and I, you and for us here this morning, you and me, we are part of a family. We are part of the body of Christ. 
you know why Paul uses the analogy of a body? Because we all understand it. You can look, here's a body. How many of you came without your hand this morning? Any came without your foot? Hope nobody came without the head. That could be quite damaging. But do you understand that you can't function without all of you? Everything is important. Um, just coming to mind a little story here. Um, I was some years ago, when I was still a bit, uh, you know, stupid, I uh, was cutting a tomato on a poloni slicer. And I was going like and I didn't use the cover. And the next minute I sliced a piece of my thumb off. And it was very sore. It's healed now, so don't feel sorry for me. But this is the thing that I found. Once my thumb had been damaged, I couldn't even do my buttons. I couldn't tie my shoes. There were a whole lot of things I couldn't do because part of the body was damaged. I really want to say to you this morning, friends, we are the body of Christ and we need to honor and affirm one another. And Paul, when he speaks about being the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says every single person here is gifted. You have a spiritual gift which is from God. And I cannot say to anybody here this morning, I don't need you. And nor can you say to anybody else, I don't need you. Friends, if there's ever a time we need one another in the church, it's now. Perhaps it'll be good for me to say, church is not a meeting you attend on Sundays. Church is a body that you belong to. Make sense? And then lastly, a strong conviction that our relationship with God needs to be nurtured. You need to nurture your relationship with God. I need to nurture my relationship with God. John chapter 15, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. God wants his church to be spiritually alive. The world needs a church that's spiritually alive. I want to say that for an important reason. Because you can be about the word of the, the work of God. But if there's a dryness and a barrenness and an emptiness in you, do you know you bring that with you? And what you do. When we meet up with one another, do we encounter people who've been with God? People who are full of the Lord. People who are full of the Spirit of the Lord. I remember Terry, some years ago, we were going through quite a difficult time uh, in our family. And uh, people would ask her, so how are you doing? And she said, and these were words, she said, I'm doing fine with great difficulty. 
because that's what it is. It's not pretending, but it's knowing who you walk with. It's knowing whose you are. It's knowing who you belong to. And friends, that kind of comment that we make comes from where we have been and who we love and where we've spent our time. There is an overflow of our lives. And just, it's been something that I've been aware of as a while, for a while. When you speak to people around about you, they listen to what you're saying and then they're listening to how you say it. Sometimes what you say and what I say doesn't match up with the way how we say it. And today, we want to be a church of God, passionate for God, in love with God, focused on God, doing the things God's called us to do. We're here to pray. We're here to fellowship together. We're here to break bread. We're here to Uh, listen to the apostles' teaching. We're here to spur one another on. We're here to encourage each other. That's what we're here for. It's all part of loving God. Let's stand together. I want to just pray for you as we go. I am trusting that through what was shared this morning that you've been challenged but that you're not there's no condemnation we don't live under condemnation but we want to be challenged and uh, there may be and in fact there will be people here today who, who spiritually are dry Remember the, the Lord said to the Ephesians, He said, repent and do the things that you did. And this thing of spiritual renewal is simply people opening the door, sitting under the Word, allowing God to minister to them, choosing to be obedient. Wonderful thing for us. We are in the new time. We have everything to do with the spirit that lives in the spirit. It's about the spirit of God. With this bare voice this morning saying, God, I just want and desire a fresh filling of your spirit. I want to live with the joy and the peace patience and kindness of God just in my life. And I know, Lord, I will be able to find you. Right, you want you to hold out your hand. I said earlier on in the meeting, just hold out your hand. I want to pray and I want to trust that the Holy Spirit will hear this prayer this morning. There's an emptiness of the feeling of God. God will keep you up in the world. I'm amazed at how much God loves us. He 
often feel so unworthy. And I guess in a way that's a good thing. But, but I want to say to you, when you meet face to face with God, the Father, and the love of God, and the kindness of God, it will blow you away. Because God loves you more than you can ever imagine. He's far kinder and far more gracious. I want to pray that the Lord will fill you up. I want to pray that the Lord will start a fire in your heart again. I want to pray that you will know the wind of the Spirit blowing in your heart. I want to pray that those rivers of living water will well up from you. And that will be real and will be from God because of the Spirit. Word the Lord's given me. The word is broken. I feel broken when it comes from a disappointment of God. Where you feel God's let you down and leave this, this disappointment. You know the solution to that is not to try and understand it, it's to repent of holding things in heart that are in and of themselves very destructive. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to embrace stuff that will be destructive. It's always his way. I feel there's somebody here this morning that's lost their way. That you, you kind of were on a journey with God and then it all became murky and clouded and confused. And the word of the Lord is, and you'll hear the word, the Lord speaking to you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Voice behind you. Funny thing is, God doesn't always put the road in front of us. He's, he gives us a voice to listen to in the journey. So, God, I ask you this morning, very simply, will you pour out your spirit afresh upon your people? I pray, Lord, that as that invitation has been made so many times, if anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink of me. And by this he meant the Spirit. And there's that invitation, if you are thirsty, to come and drink of him. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray that there might just be a blowing of the wind of the Spirit through our church again. May there be just a revival and a renewal by the Spirit in our hearts. Stir up our hearts afresh. Lord, where we've grown tired and where we've grown weary. Lord, when we've lost our way, when we've neglected the things we should be doing. I pray, Lord, stir us up again. Holy Spirit, will you come and do that? And Lord, may people's lives be changed after today because of the Spirit of the Lord in Jesus' name. Thank you.